this could end up leaving China as the world's only viable civilization. What is the state of the Chinese Communist Party's biological warfare program? One that concerns me the most is their program to develop pathogens to attack specific ethnic groups. And that's why I talk about a civilization killer, because all non-Chinese would be either sickened or killed by this. Remember, China has been collecting DNA profiles of foreigners. The largest collection of DNA profiles of Americans, for instance, is not in America, it's in China. We should be concerned about the DNA profile of every American because China can develop diseases that will hobble our society. Hey, welcome back everyone. The U.S. intelligence community recently concluded that they cannot draw a hard conclusion on where the virus actually came from, mainly because the Chinese Communist Party will not cooperate with the U.S. And this means a couple things. It means, one, that the United States cannot really go after the Chinese Communist Party and claim that it is responsible for the release of this virus. And it also means that if this was, in fact, a Chinese-made virus or something related to the laboratories, man-made or not, we've literally let the Chinese Communist Party get away with murder, so to speak. And what does this mean going forward? Well, here to talk with us about this is Gordon Cheng. He's author of The Coming Collapse of China, and Gordon, it's a real pleasure having you on Crossroads. Well, thank you so much, Josh. So why don't we start by talking about this U.S. intelligence assessment first off, then I want to go into China's biowarfare programs. Uh, what, did, what is essentially the conclusion from the U.S. intelligence community on the origin of this virus? The conclusion is that there are two plausible um, possibilities, and they use that word plausible. One of them is that it's a natural zoonotic transfer a natural mutation from a bat to a human. And the other is that it is a lab-associated incident, as they say. Um, but they also report, and, and this is obviously true, that China has not been cooperating with the international community, and it's been blaming the United States. And that, to me, means that the president of the United States has enough information to act. That's because China knows what uh, happened, and they're not telling us. And that alone is enough. But there's also a couple of other reasons. One of them is that, of course, China, wherever this disease came from, um, took steps to deliberately spread it beyond its borders. They lied about contagiousness. And while locking down their own country, they pressured other countries not to impose travel restrictions and quarantines. And we also know that they're working on a new generation of biological weapons that could be a civilization killer. So we put all that together, it means that President Biden must act. We must establish deterrence to prevent the Chinese from spreading the next pathogen. Wow, it's a pretty serious, a, a civilization killer. I want, I want to get to these bioweapons programs in just a bit. Uh, but I know in, your, in one of your recent articles you talked about, you, you framed the Biden administration not going after China with this if they choose to not do so, is basically letting China get away with the crime of the century. Is that... Is that uh, an exaggeration? Is this accurate? How do, you, how do you describe this? Well, the crime of the century has so far resulted in 4.5 million deaths outside China. So yes, I think that that does qualify. And because of uh, what we know, that they deliberately took steps to spread this disease beyond their borders, that is intentional. This is an intentional causing of death. 
That's murder. Mm. That's crime of the century. 4.5 million people dead so far. Hmm. Now, on the bio-warfare point, uh, of course, bioweapon or not, as you mentioned, the Chinese Communist Party did weaponize this situation by intentionally spreading it around the world, uh, by closing travel within Wuhan, but keeping the borders externally open, meaning anybody looking to get away from the lockdowns and whatever policies the CCP would make uh, were able to flee the country. And they did use that to seed the virus to every part of the world. In terms of the biowarfare element, though, there's been a lot of different debates around China's biowarfare programs. China, the Chinese Communist Party is a signatory in the Biowarfare Act, but as previous reports have mentioned, they never even acknowledged, they never showed examples of them getting rid of existing biowarfare programs. They never even acknowledged the ones we knew they had. What is the state of the Chinese Communist Party's biological warfare programs? Well, we know that they're active because Chinese military researchers uh, talk about them openly in publications, articles, and books. And the one that is the um, one that concerns me the most is their program to develop pathogens to attack specific ethnic groups. In 2017, China's National Defense University, in its authoritative science of military strategy, actually wrote an article about a new type of biological warfare of, quote, specific ethnic genetic attacks. Now, Bill Gertz of the Washington Times actually has reported that American officials believe that the Chinese are actually working on such pathogens. And the Chinese themselves have been very open about it because for at least a half decade, a little bit longer, they've been actually talking about these ethnic specific pathogens. And that's why I talk about a civilization killer, because this could end up leaving China as the world's only viable civilization because all non-Chinese um, would be either sickened or killed by this. Now, I'm not saying that the Chinese have succeeded in um, de developing such a bug, but that's what they're working toward. And I know that they're putting a lot of effort into it, which means that we have to assume that sometime or another, they will succeed. And because we haven't imposed costs for spreading COVID-19, they believe that they can spread the next disease without cost as well. I know a lot of people would question what would the interest of the CCP be in, you know, as you mentioned, using a civilization killer on much of the world if they were to kill all, say, non-Chinese or people of any one specific uh, racial background because, of course, that's targeting DNA strands or changing viruses to target specific DNA strands. I, I guess one, what, one big question would be why would they do that? What would the interest be for them? They would be able to rule the world. We know that the Chinese have imported um, the notion of uh, comprehensive national power, CNP. And CNP is Soviet concept um, that um, is a collection of metrics to rank countries according to their power. And China wants to be number one. Now, there's two ways to get to be number one. One of them is you can strengthen your own country and every country should be doing that. And the second is you weaken everybody else. And I think that Xi Jinping, after he saw what the coronavirus did to devastate China, then decided that he was going to weaken everybody else. Because by weakening everybody else, he could actually increase China's CMP ranking. And that is the maliciousness of the Chinese system. Hmm. Now, with the idea of, doing, of making bioweapons targeted at specific DNA strands related to racial groups, I know a lot of people might say, oh, that, just, that sounds too sci-fi for me. It sounds too far-fetched. 
Um, how could we prove that that's a viable approach to making biological weapons? Well, all we have to do, Josh, is just to read what uh, Chinese military researchers say. We, we don't have to speculate about this. Um, I think that this would be a hard task to do, but we do know that certain um, racial and ethnic groups are more susceptible or less susceptible to certain pathogens. And so um, there is reason for them to um, think that they might be able to do this. And remember, China has been collecting DNA profiles of foreigners. The largest collection of DNA profiles of Americans, for instance, is not in America, it's in China. And at the same time, China has been enacting laws and strict rules prohibiting the transfer of DNA profiles of Chinese people out of China. And that is a, uh, could very well lead to in, uh, supporting these notions that they're working on uh, ethnic-specific uh, pathogens. Hmm. Now, now, how is this possible? I, I, guess, I, I guess, what would you tell people in terms of how is, it, how is this possible? Well, it's just possible in that our DNA of humans is alike, but there are differences. And, and so, for instance, um, my wife comes from Hong Kong, and she told me, um, you know, during flu season when she was growing up, Chinese people would get flu, but it, either they didn't get it or it was very, very mild. But the flu did affect uh, the British and other foreigners in Hong Kong um, much more severely. And so that is something that is an example of what can happen. Um, and you can weaponize that. So China's working on this and they're devoting money. They're writing about it, uh, speaking about it, which means that we've got to be concerned that uh, they'll eventually find something. Now, as I said, I don't know what the state of their um, development is, but we do know they're working on it. Well, folks, two months on now, and we are still totally demonetized by YouTube. Given the situation where we have to censor ourselves if we want to really stay on this platform and make it work, we've decided on something else, which is this. We've launched a new platform called Epic TV, EPOCHTV.com. And through this, we're able to publish uncensored content. News that can criticize anything we'd like, news that can talk about anything we'd like, news that can give you real information from any part of the world about any topic without having to worry whether individuals will censor it. And in this current environment where information is being controlled, where narratives are being controlled, and where anyone who steps outside the boundaries of what is the accepted narrative by the fact checkers, you know, quote unquote, by different big tech organizations, by media organizations, and so on. This is something that we believe is needed for the modern political environment, where people should be able to call things out. People should be able to question things. This is the basis of the fourth estate in America. The belief, again, that media should be able to hold government power in check, and that media should be able to inform the public about the issues they should be informed about, because that is the basis of our election system. An informed public making informed decisions if you control the system of information, you control the political system. And folks, being a media organization, we can't stand for that. And so again, we have created an uncensored platform, Epic TV. And anyone who wants to support Crossroads or support our broader mission of bringing real news, uncensored news, it's not afraid to stand up for what matters, please check out our website, epochtv.com. 
epochtv.com. Check out the link below, and folks, please support us there. Welcome back to a special edition of Tucker Carlson Tonight. It's hard to believe that it's been more than two weeks since 13 American service members and about 100 Afghan civilians were killed by a suicide bomber outside Kabul's international airport. The news cycle and the Biden administration, well, they want you to move on. And in many ways, they're doing everything they can to make sure you do. They use COVID and vaccine mandates to distract from the chaos that they've created. But we all remember the scenes they want us to forget. Afghans desperately clinging to a U.S. Air Force plane on the airport runway. Afghan mothers passing their children to American soldiers over an airport wall. And videos of the Taliban showcasing their new state-of-the-art military arsenal, bought and paid for by you, the U.S. taxpayer. Everything we saw unfold, it wasn't only preventable, it still is. And worse than that, we allowed it to happen. We're not doing anything to change the outcome here. At any moment, Joe Biden and his officials in his administration could stop this. They can still use their power, diplomatic, economic, security, military. But instead, they choose to blame our allies, many of whom are still there and still fighting. Afghanistan political leaders gave up and fled the country. The Afghan military collapsed sometime without trying to fight. We trained and equipped an Afghan military force of some 300,000 strong, incredibly well-equipped, a force larger in size than the militaries of many of our NATO allies. We gave them every tool they could need. And then you took them away in one moment. U.S. air support, the contractors for the Afghan Air Force, everything. And it's just simply not true that all of these people just gave up and fled the country. The Afghan government forces that the U.S. trained are still fighting the Taliban and other Islamic terrorists, including the Afghan al-Qaeda, in a region just north of Kabul called the Panjshir Valley. It's the last standing province in the entire country that these terrorists do not control. And the Taliban, what they do control is the information flow. They want you to think it's all been conquered, it's all over. While the democratically elected head of the country, Amrullah Saleh, who was vice president at the time the president fled and became acting president, they want you to believe that he, along with all the forces that uh, soldiers in this country have fought beside, and all of our allies there for decades have, been, have not been abandoned by Joe Biden. They're there continuing to fight the Islamic terrorists who were responsible for 9-11 with no help from the U.S. at all, while the enemy they face is supported by their allies, Pakistan, China, Iran, and others. So while our senior military leaders at home question their will, they have been abandoned. The Afghan security forces had the capacity, and by that I mean uh, they had the training, the size, the capability uh, to defend their country. Uh, this comes down to an issue of will and leadership. Um, and no, I did not, nor did anyone else, see a collapse of an army that size in 11 days. 
will and leadership. It's uh, interesting, curious to see if General Milley actually knows what either of those things mean. Because not only did we abandon our allies, the U.S. is actively working with their enemy, which until a very short time ago was our enemy too. The Taliban, uh, you know, if you consider what Secretary of State Anthony Blinken said just a few days ago, is now our best friend on the eve of the 20th anniversary of 9-11. Think about that, the 20th anniversary of 9-11. Is this how you want your leaders to speak about terrorists who killed thousands of Americans? Our engagement with the Taliban and with uh, uh, a government, uh, interim or, uh, or, or long-term, will be for purposes of advancing uh, the national interest, uh, advancing our interests, the interests of, uh, of, our, of our partners. Uh, we have and we will find ways to engage uh, the Taliban. The nature of a Taliban-led government's relationship with us, uh, with the international community, will depend entirely on its actions. How is turning a terrorist group into a nation state in the interests of the United States? That's a question that just isn't asked. And yesterday, a spokeswoman for Joe Biden's National Security Council named Emily Horn, well, she praised the Taliban, who've been murdering their way across Afghanistan, for their, quote, cooperation in allowing uh, U.S. citizens to board a commercial flight out of Afghanistan, saying, quote, they have shown flexibility and they've been businesslike and professional in our dealings with them in this effort. They haven't allowed green card holders and our Afghan allies, who are most vulnerable and high risk, to leave. But who exactly is the White House praising as businesslike and professional? It's a question that is worth asking. So we looked into it. Shortly after the Taliban entered Kabul in mid-August, its deputy commander, a man named Siraj Haqqani, who also runs his own terrorist organization known as the Haqqani Network, he put his uncle, Khalil al-Rahman Haqqani, in charge of security in the Afghan capital. So with the exception of the airport itself, which was being secured and operated by U.S. forces, the rest of Kabul and the country is what Joe Biden called behind enemy lines. Well, that was under control of the Haqqani network. So who are they? Well, according to the U.S. government, the Haqqani network is a foreign terrorist organization. The United Nations agrees with that. This network has been on the United Nations Security Council sanction list, list since 2012. And in fact, Siraj Haqqani and many members of his family are among the most wanted terrorists in the world. The FBI has been looking for him for some time. They want him so badly, they put a $10 million bounty on his head and a $5 million bounty on his uncle's head. Uh, well, you know, we've got news for the FBI tonight. Uh, if they're still looking for Siraj Haqqani and his uncle, they can look up the address of the Interior Ministry in Kabul because Siraj Haqqani has been rewarded for his murderous efforts by being made the country's new Interior Minister. And he's in charge of all of the borders and the security. So uh, if you, uh, you know, if you're looking to claim that reward, perhaps you'd want to donate it to the Taliban's uh, humanitarian crisis, because that's the excuse that the U.S. is using to send, yes, you guessed it, more of your tax dollars to terrorists. These people aren't on these lists for no reason. They've killed people. They've killed a lot of people. 
many of them U.S. soldiers, hundreds by some conservative estimates, also hundreds of NATO forces. They've killed thousands of Afghan civilians and, according to most estimates, more than 10,000 Afghan soldiers and policemen. So it might surprise you to learn that these are the very same people the Biden administration turned to for help in the last desperate days of the evacuation that they, that they handled so poorly. The Biden administration actually asked the terrorists of the Haqqani network to secure a safe passage to the airport for U.S. citizens and green card holders. One source told us there's no way that the commercial flights with American citizens that just left Kabul airport could have done so without the coordination and approval from the Haqqani network, which is also illegal under U.S. law, negotiating with and speaking to and supporting terrorists. But is it any wonder that 13 Americans and so many Afghan civilians were killed at that airport when that's your security partner? It doesn't seem to bode well for the future of counterterrorism operations in Afghanistan because, as you will remember, the very same people are the ones the Biden administration says are going to help the U.S. as a counterterrorism partner. General McKenzie has so much confidence in these people who've been killing Americans for the last two decades that he said we're sharing information with them now, too. The other thing we do is we share versions of this information with the Taliban so that they can actually do some searching out there for us. And we believe that some attacks have been thwarted by them. And then we also use the Taliban as a tool to protect us as much as possible. But we share a common purpose. To the, as, as long as we've kept that common pur purpose uh, aligned, they've been, they've been uh, useful to work with. They've cut some of our security, some of our security concerns down. A common purpose with terrorists. It's just hard to believe that we even got to this point. And now tonight, we can confirm that there is one type of intelligence the U.S. has left behind in the hands of the Taliban. This is the biometric database and the scanners that come with that capability that are called interagency identity detection equipment. There are multiple reports of these devices being used not by the U.S. in Kabul when uh, people were boarding those planes, but by the Taliban and the Islamic terrorists that they work with um, at the checkpoints that we were sending our American citizens and vulnerable Afghan allies through to get to the airport to try to leave the country. Sensitive biometric data like iris scans and fingerprints of every single person who worked with American and NATO forces. These are people the Taliban consider collaborators and those devices enable the Taliban and Al-Qaeda to hunt them down anywhere. They can find anyone who worked with and for the U.S. or the Afghan government or anyone who believes in the idea of freedom. They can find them anywhere they are. These individuals are the ones who are relying on us, who turn to us to help after we turned and relied on them. We don't have to imagine what their fates will be. Hey, Sean Hannity here. Hey, click here to subscribe to Fox News YouTube page and catch our hottest interviews and most compelling analysis. You will not get it anywhere else.
Joining me now is Lara Logan, the host of Lara Logan Has No Agenda on Fox Nation. Lara, thanks for joining me tonight. Um, it does sound like a little bit of a, hey, that's a nice country you have there from you know, Pakistan telling us. It's a nice little country you have there if you don't, uh, you know, be really bad if something happened to it. Like they're saying, you better release this $9 million of frozen assets in the Federal uh, Reserve or else, you know, we're going to get terrorism again. So sound a little bit like blackmail. Uh-huh. Are well, we, is this another hostage situation? <laughs> well, the Pakistanis have been blackmailing the U.S. Right. Uh, for decades with their nuclear capability, right? And congressmen and senators on both sides of the aisle are stupid enough to believe that the only uh, policy of, is one of appeasement. That's the only one that can work. Never mind that India is a nuclear power right there. Mm -hmm. And uh, they're not threatening uh, to flood the U.S. with terrorists, right? That's and right. You know, this is much worse than anybody realizes. I have had, um, you know, the last few hours have been incredibly significant for me because um, I've had people stepping forward to speak up because they're so horrified by what they're seeing right now, what the United States government is doing. People stepping we forward from where? Well, this is Afghan and American sources with direct knowledge of what is happening, who are directly involved. What happened when the, when the Taliban offensive was going on? Afghan pilots fled to Uzbekistan. That was one of the places they went. The Afghan uh, pilots were part of the Afghan Air Force. And they have been in Uzbekistan. And the United States government, as I understand it from these people who are directly involved, multiple sources, including even guards on the ground in Uzbekistan, say that the U.S. has agreed to give all of that uh, Air Force capability to the Taliban. Okay, so we're talking about seven uh, Black Hawk helicopters. We're talking about close air support. Um, what you've got there is four mission-capable A-29 fixed-wing aircraft, four special, special mission-wing MI-17s, two little birds, and so on. These are aircraft that have, some of them, at least two of them, have very, very, very sensitive intelligence-gathering capability on it. And when I say sensitive, I mean, I'm talking about cameras that do day and night missions mm -hmm. that also allow for laser targeting of people on the ground. This is what our military is equipped with. And the United States is al allowing this false narrative to uh, be perpetuated. And the media is dutifully carrying this narrative that somehow we have to do this. We have no choice because we've got to get those American citizens out. You know, and what people are raising to me, intelligence people, veterans, active duty, military people, um, not just military people, by the way, intelligence personnel, um, they're saying it seems to them almost as if the U.S. was quite happy to let these American citizens fall into the Taliban so that they can then be used as the justification for what they're doing. Because there are standard operating procedures that every single person in the military and intelligence agencies know have to be followed. So when you withdraw, you don't leave that capability right. behind. And also, if you leave it behind, you have the option of activating all of your systems that are designed to destroy that. To destroy it, exactly. Yes, like stealth, stealth UAVs and so on. So now we have, uh, you know, first-hand reports that indicate that not only is the U.S. sending uh, money to the Taliban, not only are they letting them keep this equipment and capability that they have, but that they're actually going to take very sensitive, significant capability from Uzbekistan, where it is not in the hands of the Taliban, and they've agreed to give it to them. And when it comes to the humanitarian aid, can I just say I've been reporting for, you know, about a week now, yeah. that they were going to pass off the money to the Taliban as humanitarian aid. This was planned 
It was part of the talks. Zomal Kalazad knows all about this. So does Tony Blinken and Susan Rice and Jake Sullivan and Millie McKenzie, all of them. They have blood on their hands. And right now, there is an urgent crisis going on in the Panjshir Valley, where the right. Afghans are still fighting. And the U.S. is watching this happen, and they're allowing Pakistan to carry out mass killings from house to house to house, beheading two 12-year-old boys, killing women and children, killing the president of Afghanistan's brother today yeah. in the Panjshir Valley. It's just unbelievable. We should actually be helping the resistance fighters. But I have to tell you, Lara, after seeing that the Biden administration wouldn't even give the Internet to the freedom fighters in Cuba, um, it doesn't surprise me that they're right. not lifting a finger here as well. Great information. That's breaking news for all of you. Thank you, Lara, for sharing that with us tonight. Thank you.